This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. I just have to say I am so excited about what God is doing here. Last Sunday we baptized eight people, and after the service we had someone else that gave their heart to Jesus, and I'm just excited about what God is doing, and and I love coming, not to hear the message, because that's kind of bad, but I love coming just to see what God is going to do every Sunday. So thank you for being here, and uh, let's just bow our heads. Father, you've, uh, I believe, prepared this moment. We ask for your presence. We ask for your help. We ask for your words, uh, that your word uh, would be well explained, and God, just prepare our hearts for whatever you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Over the summer months, We've been in a series of sermons called The Deadly Seven, and in that series we focused our attention on some sins that have been identified as root sins. So far we've talked about pride, we've talked about envy, we've talked about anger, and then your favorite all-time subject, uh, the subject of gluttony, you actually wanted me to do a series on that, not really. And then a few weeks ago, we talked about greed. Today, we will talk about sloth, which will leave us one more sin that we will cover here in a couple of weeks. And this one is a really tough one that will be uh, the the sin of lust that we will cover here in a couple of weeks. Now, um, as we will be discussing sloth today, just for clarification, for those of you that might not have had your coffee or a little bit slow, when I refer to sloth, This is not in reference to the slow-moving animal that we call sloth. Even though I will have to say that the animal sloth is a very intriguing animal. In in the country where we used to live in South America, we had sloths. And, And to give you a little bit of information that is totally and completely worthless... Something interesting about the sloth, according to the website uh, called Animal Curiosities, is that the top speed of a sloth on the ground is about a half a foot per minute. So what is that? That's about a half foot, six inches per minute. Which if that is true, what takes Usain Bolt, the world record holder in the 100 meter race, a little less than 10 seconds to cover takes the sloth close to 11 hours to cover. Now, now the sloth, I I learned, is even significantly slower than the turtle. Now, not quite as slow as a snail, but it's slow enough, I think, that most of us here could probably win a race against the sloth. Now, what's interesting, more worthless information, is that the sloth is actually fairly agile in a tree. On the ground, it covers six inches a minute. In a tree, its sharp claws help it to reach lightning speeds of six to eight feet per minute. Um, But after filling your head with that unnecessary information, our topic today is not the animal. Rather, a very simple definition I read of the type of sloth that we will discuss today is this. A reluctance to work or a reluctance to make an effort to work, or just flat out laziness. But as we will learn today, sloth is more than just laziness when it comes to work. For example, for example there can be marriage sloth, laziness in a marriage. 
And I think there are a lot of guilty people involved in marriage law. They, they invest in the marriage for about six months and then they kind of check out. They get lazy. They, they, they do the bare minimum to, to maintain that marriage. Just barely get by. Take each other for granted. Marriage sloth. There's also job sloth. And I think if you're a small business owner, you probably wanted to say amen. Uh, a, a lot of people in the workplace just do enough to get by, just enough to not get fired. And, and the label made in America used to mean excellence, but now made in America really isn't much different than made in Bangladesh or Malaysia or wherever due to worker sloth. There can also be health sloth. We don't eat right. And unfortunately, the saying is fairly true that if something tastes good, spit it out because it's probably not healthy. But we eat too much, we eat too often, and what we eat is not healthy. And then there's sloth when it comes to exercise. Uh, by the way, I'm going to give the altar call here in just a little bit, and uh, we'll probably empty out the seats as we all come forward. But the only thing that we seem to exercise is our mouth and our fingers on social media. And then there's appearance sloth. Yes, there are those that are prideful of their appearance, probably take too much time making sure every hair, every eyelash or whatever is perfect. Yet on occasion, you come across someone that just walks around looking like an unmade bed. And you want to go up to them and say, hey, dude, why don't you fix yourself up just a little bit? You look like an unmade bed. So there, there are a lot of different areas of sloth. And if there were a motto that we could attach to sloth, it would be, never do today what you can put off until tomorrow. Being raised in South America, I learned a word early in life that I love, and you do too. It's the word mañana. What does mañana mean? Tomorrow. And we've learned to use that word frequently. Never do today what you can do mañana. Now, before we get further into our study, something that I haven't mentioned yet is that down through the years, people have taken the seven deadly sins and assigned animals and colors to represent each sin. And uh, this is also in the worthless category. So if you want to go ahead and open your bulletin or, or your worship folder there and uh, to the part of the sermon notes, we're going to take a pop quiz here where school is about to go into session. And uh, so you will see a little quiz in your sermon notes. You will have about one minute or maybe less in which to take this test. And, and I know for those of you that are watching online or maybe listening on the radio, this minute is going to be a little bit awkward. You're going to wonder what to do. But again, you can access this on, uh, at, at eldochurch.com. But if you don't have access to this, just go get you another cup of coffee and enjoy the, the little break. So you see the quiz there. Don't Google it. Be honorable. If we catch you cheating, we're going to put you in the baptistry on your head for the rest of our time here. Actually, it's probably not big enough for all the cheaters at the Church of God Holiness. But So quickly, fill in the animal and the color that represents each sin. So just go. Go. Hurry. You should be about halfway through right now. Um, and, and the best way to go about this is just guess, because there's no rhyme or reason to most of them. Okay, hurry. Some of you aren't writing. Go. Write. About 10 more seconds. 
All right, you can finish this later on, but I'm going to go ahead and give you, uh, give you the cheat sheet, the code. Go ahead and put that up, and uh, uh, th there you are. Uh, you can tell pride, animal is horse, color violet, envy, dog, green, anger, bear, red, gluttony, pig. That makes sense. Orange, I don't know about the color. Greed is frog, yellow, sloth is a goat. So if you're slothful, you're a goat, um, light blue color. Lust is cow, and that would be a darker blue. Aren't you glad you came to church and you learned something uh, in church for a change? Now, the scripture that will anchor our lesson is 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 through 10. And, and who wrote this letter, or we call it a book? Who wrote 2 Thessalonians? Anybody? Who? Say it. Paul, Paul, follow along as, as I read it, 2 Thessalonians 3, 6. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we give you this command with the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, stay away from any Christian who lives in idleness. Now, I, I did a word study on this Greek word, idleness. And Bible scholars do not fully agree on the exact meaning. The King James Version says, to those who walketh disorderly, we'll use the translation that scholars used in the New Living Translation, it says, who uh, stay away from any Christian who lives in idleness and doesn't follow the tradition of hard work we gave you. So, so understand it's targeting Christians here. Now my question is, how literally do we follow this? If there's someone that's capable of working and they choose not to, and they just want a monthly check, are we supposed to stay away from them if they call themselves Christians? I'll let you answer that. Verse 7, for you know that you ought to follow our example. We were never lazy when we were with you. We never accepted food from anyone without paying for it. We worked hard day and night so that we would not be a burden to any of you. It wasn't that we didn't have a right to ask you to feed us, but we wanted to give you an example to follow. Even while we were with you, we gave you this rule. Whoever does not work should not eat. So the question, and I'm going to let you answer this. I'm not going to answer it. But if somebody comes to us, to you, for assistance and they're very capable of working, should you help them? Something to ponder. Verse 11, yet we hear that some of you are living idle lives. And, and, and pay attention to that word idle. That's not in the context of American idle, but that's I-D-L-E, most, most commonly used in the context of a car idling. And and that's what our lives are like when we're idling. You know, we're, we're, we're using up gasoline, using up resources, taking up space, but not going anywhere. So we hear that some of you are living idolized, refusing to work, and wasting time meddling in other people's business. So it appears there's a correlation. Whenever there's a, an idle person, they've got too much time on their hands. And so they're meddling in other people's business. The scripture seems to indicate that they go together. Number Verse 12, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we appeal to such people. And then it's like Paul says, oh, wait a minute. I, I said, we appeal. He said, no, there's got to be a better word. There's got to be a stronger word than just appeal. And so he says, 
for those that are refusing to work and are just wasting time meddling in other people's business, he says, we appeal. He says, no. He goes on and says, we command them. Settle down. Get to work. Earn your own living. And I say to the rest of you, dear brothers and sisters, never get tired of doing good. Now, as we jump into this sixth deadly sin of sloth, we can kind of summarize it with one word, indifference. And indifference is one of the greatest enemies in life. In fact, do you know what the greatest enemy of love is? You say, well, pastor, that's easy. That, that's hatred or hate. And, and uh, in a sense, you're right. Hatred is certainly an enemy of love. But I think the greatest enemy of love is indifference. You see, in marriage, when couples start having problems at home, it's normally not because they hate each other. Now, in a nasty divorce, sometimes they end up hating each other. But, but the reason that most couples begin having problems at the very beginning is not because of hatred. It's not because they hate each other. It's just indifference. They take each other for granted, become indifferent to each other's needs. So sloth is indifference. Sloth is indifference that can be shown at the workplace. Sloth is indifference towards keeping ourselves looking nice. Sloth is being indifferent towards our health. And then the most serious form of sloth that we're going to focus on a lot today is indifference towards God. Now, to begin with, let's look at some of the things that come about because of slothfulness. The first is that sloth brings about a lot of frustration. Now, we sometimes think that, well, lazy people... They're chill, they're happy, they don't have a care in the world. But slothful people live lives that are with great frustration. Why? Because they lose purpose in their lives. You see, sloth begins with a, a shrug of the shoulder, and it's kind of like a, a switch in our heart just turns off, and it leads to an attitude of, I don't care, I don't give a rip. I don't care what my employer thinks. I don't care what my spouse thinks. I don't care that my weight or my diet is killing me. I don't care. I don't care that my house is a total wreck. I don't care that my car looks like it's being lived out of. I don't care that people stay away from me because of my prickly personality. Slothful people many times say, I am who I am and I don't care what you think and I ain't going to change nothing about my life. Just indifference. But I know firsthand that when sloth takes over, those things that we say, you know, they don't bother us. They do bother us. And we may hide it, but there's a high degree of frustration. I read some time back that one of the biggest causes of stress in our lives is clutter. And my wife and I have talked about that sometimes at our house. And I'm sure it never happens at your house, but we allow clutter to accumulate. And we get bank statements, we get bills, and instead of going through them immediately and filing them or shredding them, we become indifferent. And, uh, you know, it doesn't take too many days and weeks until all of the stuff, you know, the junk mail that you get, it just piles up. And, and what we have determined, some of the stress in our lives is because of the clutter. And whenever... We say, okay, we're going to battle against this clutter and begin to clean things up. It's amazing. Some of that stress reduces. Well, there's something else that sloth brings about, and, and that's financial hardship. 
uh, sloth sometimes causes people to switch jobs every couple of years. I, and, and I told you a few months ago that since I graduated from college, I've, I've had four full-time jobs, and, and that number includes the position I've, I have at this church. In fact, the average person will work eight jobs after you know, they graduate from college. And uh, I had someone come to me afterwards and said, man, you switch jobs a lot. He said, I, I'm still on my first job since I graduated from college. But, but, but that's rare, and, and there's nothing necessarily holy about holding on to a job long term. There, there are times and great opportunities that come along, and, and there should be a job change, but there's some people, and you know, we could all name names, they're never satisfied long term, and, and uh, you find them quitting many times, they don't even have another job. And, and financial stress many times is just a constant in their lives. Proverbs 19:15 says a lazy person sleeps soundly and goes hungry. When I graduated from college before we went to the mission field, God blessed me with a, a great job. I was managing a couple of different businesses in Overland Park, Kansas. Um, the opportunity came up to sell insurance. I was making good money where I was, and I really wasn't interested in selling insurance. That's about the last thing I wanted to do, but someone kept recruiting me. And and finally, even though I had no experience in sales whatsoever and didn't have any desire to, to be involved in sales, they, they sweetened the pot, and they did something that they normally did, didn't do in sales, but they threw in guaranteed money. And... Um, and at that point, I said, okay, it makes a lot of sense with the guaranteed money there for me to jump into the insurance business. And, and financially, it ended up being an incredible move, and, and, and God blessed me to where I was able to do way better than, than at the good job that I had before. It was short-lived because after a year and a half, we actually went to the mission field. But where I worked hard, and, and God blessed me with great success... They began telling me, they said, Joe, do you know how much the average insurance agent makes per year? And, and whenever you kind of divided it out, they made practically minimum wage. And you could make a lot of money in this job, but you had to work it. But most people weren't motivated, and, and they just crippled along, barely making it financially. And, and, and so they, they could uh, you know, work a day or two a week and, and, and pretty much just get by, and they were happy with that. So, so a slothful person doesn't have the gumption. And I don't know if gumption is a word here in Missouri. It is in Arkansas. But, but a slothful person doesn't have the gumption or the motivation to do what is necessary to excel. You know, a slothful person doesn't do the work necessary to excel in areas such as music or sports. And th there's some people that are just gifted naturally in, in, in music or, or sports, and, and they can kind of get by because they're, they're so good. But who knows what they could have accomplished if they would have really applied themselves. But they didn't care. Proverbs 10.5 says, A wise youth works hard all summer. A youth who sleeps away the hour of opportunity brings shame. And did you notice the word shame? That the Bible sometimes is really blunt. And, and frankly, and I say this kindly, but I think our country has plenty of shameful people who don't want to work hard. And there's always an excuse of why they can't or why they won't or why they don't. Another result from sloth is that Many times a slothful person will end up with fractured relationships. 
because a slothful person isn't there for his friends. He's not there for his children. He's not there for his spouse. He's self-absorbed. He's not even willing to put in the effort to, to say he's sorry or to send the card or buy the present. Slothfulness kills relationships. An interesting scripture that says it so well, Proverbs 18, 9 says, a lazy person is as bad as someone who destroys things. Now, those of you that have rental property, you know people that uh, they come in, they rent a house and destroy it. Whatever they touch, they destroy. People, some people buy a car, it's not long until it's destroyed, they don't maintain it. It's the same way in relationships. There, there are some people that are just horrible at relationships and they're either mad or not talking with someone. And, and so most of the relationships they're involved in eventually end up broken and destroyed and there's a pattern there. They're not motivated enough to try to maintain relationships long term. And then sloth leads to boredom. Sloth causes us to lose the passion for life. We, we lose the sense for adventure. Church, don't ever lose your sense of adventure. D don't ever think that because you get old, you have to just settle into a life of boredom. I, I know my hobbies are silly to some of you, whether it's riding bikes on death road in Bolivia or climbing 20,000-foot mountains, but I don't ever want to lose that sense of adventure and risk. And I know the older I get, and the older we get, the less energy we have to adventure out and do new things, but, but, but I want you, I give you permission as my friends to continue to push me into different types of adventure. A few years ago, some of you as a church, thank you for doing that, but you paid for me to go skydiving. And I don't know if you were trying to get a hint to me or what, but it was awesome. And um, this right here was, we were up about 14,000 feet at this point, and uh, we were dropping at about 120 miles an hour. And, and some people that have seen this up close, they've laughed at me because look at my cheeks there, you know, my fat cheeks. And uh, the, the wind was pushing, pushing them up and um, uh, just... Thank you for kind of pushing me into some adventure. So, so don't become slothful when it, when it comes to your passion for life. And, you know, a few years ago, we did a 30-day series at this church on live like you were dying. What, what if you knew that in 30 days you were going to die? What would you do? And we encourage you to get out of your comfort zone and, you know, go skydiving or ride a bull Climb a mountain, go bungee jumping, learn to play an instrument, take on a new hobby besides hunting or fishing. Everybody does that around here. Learn to play racquetball. A real man, real woman will play racquetball, or, or the fad today is pickleball. Or get on YouTube and learn something new. Um, in fact, this, uh, this past week I went to a website that gave 50 things you can learn to do on YouTube. Some of them, you can learn how to whistle with your fingers. How many of you can whistle with your fingers? About four of you. Okay. You can learn how to do that on YouTube. Um, also said you can learn how to unclog a kitchen sink on YouTube. Isn't that fun? How to make kombucha. Anybody know what kombucha is? Anybody? Yeah. It's nasty, but you can learn how to make it anyway. <laughs> You can learn on YouTube, you can learn how to say hello in 50 different languages. Uh, 
that also in the top 50 things it says you can learn how to cut an onion without crying. Uh, you can learn how to survive a shark attack. There's Stockton Lake. <laughs> you can also learn how to be a better dancer in three steps. I thought, yeah, right, it's going to take more than three steps for me. Um, it says, learn how to improve your handwriting. That's a lost cause for me. How to juggle. And this was interesting. This was in the top 50 things you could, you, you could learn on YouTube. How to teach your cat to high five. Isn't that awesome? How to moonwalk. So ladies and gentlemen, go on an adventure. Learn something new. And, and for Pete's sake... Take a trip to some place besides Branson. Yeah. Don't become so bored. You're like, oh, we're going to Branson. You know, you do the same old thing all the time. Venture out. Go to Shell City or someplace exciting like that. Sorry for those of you that are in Shell City. And then Sloth loses the ability to laugh. My dad used to love to laugh, and, and he could tell a story. Honestly, he could tell a story he had told 500 times and laugh like he had never told it before. And, you know, as a kid, I would, I would roll my eyes when he'd start into his stories. i think, oh, come on, Dad. Now as an oldie, I, I see, you know what that meant? He loved life. He loved life. He had a passion for life. And even there in the nursing home with Parkinson's and cancer and basically no quality of life, once in a while, my dad will crack a funny and the staff will tell me about it or, or I will be there. And um, don't lose your ability to laugh because when we lose our ability to laugh, lose our passion for life, we will become bored and and I've heard people talk about how bored they were and how lonely they were, and they'll just about cry and telling you this, but you give them opportunities to get out and get involved in different things, they won't get out of the house. Gregor Beidner, a pastor, said this about someone who is in the grip of sloth. He said, he's a man who goes through the motions like a man with a bad head cold. He's miserable. You see, God created us with the capacity for immense joy an immense adventure, an immense inquisitiveness. Don't ever stop learning. Don't ever stop laughing. But sloth robs us of all of that. Well, let's take the next few minutes and find out how to combat sloth. Here's step number one. Sounds very simple, and it is. Search for areas of sloth in our lives. And I, I, I dare say there's some sloth in all of us. Look in the mirror, identify where we're bored, identify where we don't seem to care anymore, identify the area where we've lost our passion. And so this next verse should be our prayer. You know this verse. In fact, let's just read this verse out loud together as our prayer. Psalm 139, 23, on the count of three. One, two, three. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. So in your sermon notes, Somewhere identify, write down your area of sloth. Your area of sloth may be your job. So, and if it is, quit going through the motions and, and just take it upon yourself to excel. 
Maybe your sloth is in your marriage. And, and you're married. You're in the same house. But the passion is gone. And you think, you know, he's never going to change. She's never going to change. It's, it's amazing how putting a little bit of effort into your marriage can change it drastically. And, and of course, the most serious area of sloth is spiritual sloth. And maybe all of us remember back to that time when we used to have a passion for God. And and, and, and maybe there are some of you that are listening online and you remember the day when you were in church and you could hardly wait to go to church and, and you used to be in, in, in a small group, but you've resorted maybe some of you to the worn out excuse, well, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian and you may not. But for those that are not in the house of the Lord and they don't have a valid excuse, they're in disobedience because God says, don't, don't forsake gathering together because that's the unity of the body that that's, brings strength. And then there are some people that say, well, I just don't like large groups. And so if you want to go to heaven, you better get used to being in a large group. Now in hell, even though there will be many people there, it appears from Scripture there's going to be a high degree of isolation. It says outer darkness. So maybe in hell there won't be uh, the appearance of a large group, but in heaven one of the benefits, again, is the unity of the family of God. And, and it talks about huge crowds gathered around the throne of God worshiping. And so I think we need to ditch that excuse of I don't like big crowds, if you want to go to heaven, that is. And then if your area of sloth is in your walk with God, please do something about it. There's, there's one thing that should never get boring, and that's our relationship with Jesus Christ. Serving God should not be boring. But we can allow that to happen if we aren't careful. And here's what tends to take place if we allow sloth to get a grip on us. We go into escapism and and we rely on other things to escape from the reality of our life. It could be alcohol, it could be lust, it could be pornography, it could be illegal or even prescription drugs, it could be social media. So to escape the grip of sloth, we need to identify where sloth has a grip in our lives. Now once you've identified your area of sloth, the next step is see the eternal significance in what we're doing right now. You know, the, the, the biggest consequence of sloth is that it deadens our heart and, and makes us blind to what God is saying to us and doing for us. And, and, and I believe there are a lot of different reasons for depression. There can be chemical reasons. There can be family reasons, upbringing. And, and, and I, I don't want to simplify, or overly simplify it here, but, but I believe one of the reasons for depression is that people sometimes, you know, they, they have no fulfillment in life. They, they look for the negative in everything. They look for the negative in their family, their job, their house, their car, their church, their country, their aches and pains. They become focused on those things that they can't, and so focused they can't see God's blessings and God's purpose in their lives right now. So regardless of how stressed you are, and I'll have to just say God spoke to me about this this past week. I found myself so stressed. I had a couple of funerals over the, the weekend, and it was like, how am I going to get everything done? And it, it was like God spoke to me and said, Joe, I promised I would be with you. I'm going to help you. Just calm down. Just take it one step at a time. I'm going to enable you. So let's quit feeling sorry for ourselves. 
determined that God is going to get our very best, determined that this will be the week that you make a positive impact on others. Number three, and this kind of ties in with number one, set godly goals in the major areas of our life. So if it's physical sloth, what's a godly goal you could set there? Maybe it's to eat better, maybe it's to exercise, take a walk around the block, or run a mile, or run a half a mile, or, or run 10 yards, or, or whatever. Maybe it's job sloth. So how do you combat job sloth? Maybe you need to determine that tomorrow morning you'll get to work a little bit early. And uh, you'll do above and beyond and do some extra things that you don't necessarily have to do. You might see a piece of trash. Just pick it up and throw it away. Is it your job? No. But sometimes whenever we get into that mode of just doing enough to get by, we, we go into this mode of just boredom. Boredom, job sloth. And then for those of you that have extra time on your hands, volunteer someplace. I mean, do more than just hunt, fish, or golf. And there's nothing wrong with those. But, but here's what I found. I, 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 I love to do those except for golf. That's too frustrating for me. Um, but what I have found is that whenever I, I hunt or fish or play racquetball or climb a mountain, those things are fun. I have fun, but they don't bring fulfillment. You see the difference? So I, I believe there are those times when God wants us to have fun. But if you are counting on those things to bring significance and fulfillment, fulfillment comes from blessing others. And let me just go ahead and say this. Uh, don't be a lazy bones. You say, I can't believe you said lazy bones in church. Well, Proverbs 6, 9 says, but you lazy bones, how long will you sleep? When will you wake up? I want you to learn this lesson, a little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and, and poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. And, and for those of you that are lonely, and I, I don't want to just overly simplify this, but if you're lonely, you're bored, why don't you start the week out deciding to make a difference in someone else's life? Determine that this is going to be the week that you quit feeling sorry for yourself and, and you will help someone else. If sloth is in your marriage, make this the week that you decide to turn some things around. Do something nice for your spouse. It's contagious. And they will probably reciprocate. And then the most important area we should set goals is in our walk with God. You know, we all have a tendency towards spiritual sloth. Why is it that we get so lazy when it comes to spiritual things? And, and so let's evaluate our spiritual disciplines. Maybe this is the week that you'll need to just give up watching Oprah or reality TV or the Food Network or Days of Our Lives or I don't even know if that is that a show anymore. And, and maybe you will say, Lord, I will not get on Facebook until I've been in your book. You don't really need to be on Facebook until you've been in the Word of God. And, and if you didn't, can I just say this really, really kindly, but forcefully? If, if you weren't in the Word this week, 
I don't want to be judgmental. But more than likely, there's a high level of spiritual sloth. If we are not in God's Word, then I believe God would say, you know what, this is the way I speak to you. This is the way I feed you. You're starving to death spiritually. You need to get in the Word. The last essential is we need to stop making excuses and get started. We can always come up for, with excuses for everything. In fact, here's a pretty good excuse. I bet you you've never had a better one than this. Proverbs twenty-two thirteen says, The lazy person is full of excuses saying, If I go outside, I might meet a lion in the street and be killed. Isn't that a great excuse? That's almost as good as the excuse that people use for not going to church. Well, the roof might cave in on me. Or when I went to church years ago, someone wasn't nice to me. They didn't talk to me. And I get amused at all of the excuses I get. And someday I just wish I'd hear a creative excuse. They're they're all in about the same five categories. So whatever your area of sloth is, please don't go the excuse route and say, well, I'll change when you know, when work slows down, or I'll change when, uh, you know, the kids go back to school. You know, work is either going to be crazy, the kids' schedule is going to be crazy, or something else is going to be crazy. Don't think that the stars have to align themselves for us to make changes in our lives. So what is your area of sloth? And what are you going to do about it? And beginning today, here's what we're going to do. We're going to outlaw all excuses, okay? No excuses allowed. Sometimes driving down the highway, um, we see a, a work zone, and uh, we, uh, we read it's a no-phone zone. Today, we're entering a no-excuse zone. So if we need to make some changes in our lives, let's quit making silly excuses and let's do what we need to do in the name of Jesus. And and here's what will happen. We will find ourselves accomplishing a lot more. We will find ourselves happier and more fulfilled. And, And I think we will find some people actually wanting to be our friends. So I, I know this is, someone told me on their way out, said, I've been in church all of my life. I've never heard a message on sloth. And I think they're hoping they'll never hear another one again. The Bible talks a lot about a lot of stuff. It talks about some deep theological things, justification, regeneration, adoption. Some beautiful, beautiful, deep theological truths. But I'm thankful for people like me that the Bible has just some very practical where the rubber meets the road truths that help us in our everyday life. So may God give us a new passion. May God give us a new love for life. And at a lot of funerals, I, I hear families, and as they write out little tributes they want me to read, they, they say, they loved life. But I wonder, I wonder, is that just a saying? Do we really love life? Do we really have 
compassion. So may God help us to um, come to Him and be diligent. And I pray that God would give us marriages that are stronger than ever before. I pray that God would give us workplaces where we devote ourselves. I pray that God would help us to devote ourselves to the talents and those of you that are on the court or on the ball field, I pray that you will devote yourself, do your very best, that you will practice. I pray that whenever you uh, spend time with the Lord, that you would devote yourself and not have your attention divided. And I pray that we would be the very best follower of Jesus Christ that we could ever be. And not just somehow float along and, and hope and pray that all stay true to the end, but that we could just be more than conquerors through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's pray. God, thank you for the practical part in your word. Lord, I, 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 I know as someone said after the early service, it was hard to hear. Lord, we... Uh, we violate so many things unknowingly, but God, thank you for the clear instruction that you give us. So Lord, uh, make us diligent. And as we've said from early on, that we don't want to just remove these deadly sins from our life, but we want to replace them with something positive. And Lord, I believe diligence would be the character quality that we need to look at here and and so, God, I pray that we would be diligent, that we would be diligent in our marriages, on our jobs, Lord, diligent about taking care of our bodies. Lord, that we would be diligent worshipers. Lord, that we would be diligent friends. And so, God, I pray that this week we would cut out the excuses. And we've all got reasons why, you know, maybe it's not a good time to do this, but Lord, when it comes down to it, if there's something that we need to be doing, now is the best time. And so, God, thank you for the practical instruction in your word. Lord, don't let us fall back on excuses. Let's just, in the name of Jesus, make the changes that we need to make this week. And Lord, that we would be followers of Jesus Christ that please you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We ask it in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Okay. No excuses. This week is a no excuse zone and remind each other of that. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.